Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Munzenreiter and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we're talking about the newly released Olympic skate uniforms from Nike. But first, Jason interviewed the guy behind the MacBa Life Instagram for Quarter Snacks. Jason, what made you do this interview? Yeah, well, um, well, first of all, they kind of pitched it or suggested it to me. And, of course, I was down because A, Euro technical skateboarding, a.k.a. Euro tech. And uh, also a big fan of, like, you know, plaza skating and plaza skating culture, like, from an anthropological level. So, yeah, I was totally down. And, um, yeah, it worked out pretty well. Did he share his name? I, I never saw the guy's name in the article, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if he wants me to say it or whatever on the uh, the page, but he he's a TM. Wait, is he Euro TM from Slack? He is literally a Euro TM. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Euro TM, but a Euro. Just just a couple of anonymous skate insiders in talking to each other. Yes, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if he wants me to blow that up here, but because uh, he doesn't. But yeah, he's he's like a Euro Euro TM. But, uh, but um, either of you ever do Matva? No, no, never been to Europe. Never. Yeah, I've never been to Barcelona. How about you, Mike? Yeah. Me neither. I actually, like 15 Minnesota-affiliated dudes just got back from there. Maybe even some of the Village Psychic homies were out there, too, with them. But, uh, no, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think that, like, yeah, we're all been doing this since Barcelona blew up and yet, like, haven't made it there. It's interesting that that spot's been around for 20-plus years and yet. Yeah, I've got some homies going to Barcelona this spring, and uh, I wish I could go. But I don't think I can. Man, but yeah, maybe one day. I think if you catch it at the right time, tickets are like pretty cheap, like five hundred or seven hundred bucks or something. I don't know. So if there's, I should, I should just go. I mean, fuck it. Yeah, one of us should go, <laughs> or maybe the Euro TM can uh, fly us out for a Euro live TM. podcast. Live from live podcast from Magma. Is there Wi Fi there? I don't know. Is there? A... I don't know. Maybe the actual museum could host us, fill up a theater with skate nerds. I'll buy a I'll, I'll buy a round of Australia's of the Pakistanis as uh, yeah. as mentioned in the in the interview. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for me the most interesting thing was when he talked about how the spot was threatened. Then they had a meeting with everyone, kind of worked something out, something that would like never in like a billion years happen in America. In America, they bulldoze the ledges or arrest everyone or nod the ledges or combination of all three. So that was a pretty big contrast from what we usually see. For with sure, the yeah. Culture in America. Kind of reminds me of when Love Park was threatened and DC stepped in and was like, "Here, we'll like give you guys a million dollars to just not do anything." And the city was like, "No thanks." We, yeah. We'd rather spend money to make life worse for you guys than take a yeah. million dollars. And if you look at yeah, what I think they we'll, replace it with, it's like, damn, dude. Like, you know what I mean? It's the worst. Yeah, and I think the new Love Park is universally hated even by people who don't skate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, I think one of the most interesting things about that mock review that you did, Jason, is like how throughout, you know, anonymous mock life guy was talking about it being more than a skate spot, like street life, gathering place, a bunch oh, of yeah. different things going on. And I think, yeah, talking about like Love Park getting demolished, it goes to that kind of like American like antipathy. Is that the right word? Maybe. Yeah, like, I think so. I think you're good. Americans like having public like there's there's just like this, you know, 
feeling of being against public spaces that are kind of like wild and take on their own life. Like everything's got to be under control. Um, I'm now at the new job I got is in downtown Minneapolis and I'm right by the Viking Stadium where they play U.S. Bank Stadium. And granted, it's winter right now, so there's not a lot of street life going on. But like the place is wide open concrete, thousands of square feet without a single thing to sit on. And it, it, it struck me the other day, just like, this isn't a public, it isn't like a tree public because there's no way to use it. It's right. only for like game day purpose. And so the idea that there's artists and break dances and people taking photos and chicks hanging out and you can drink a beer because there's, you know, dudes selling frozen beers on the street. Like it's just a completely different vibe than anything that exists on, you know, our, our side of the. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this today and i think it's just like a uh, like a cultural difference between europe and the u.s like in europe they kind of value like art and culture a little bit i don't know like repression you know what i mean like just like you said like there's literally no public space if you go outside your house everything's either retail space or business space or private property in any place that kind of begins to resemble like a plaza or whatever you know, they make it hostile with, like, spikes or skates up or whatever. It's all in, like, Ocean Howls have invented that line of thing. Right. I, I thought it was interesting how, um, in the article, um, the uh, Makba Life uh, proprietor, he was talking about how the museum was got rid of skaters, and there were a bunch of thieves there, so they uh, allowed skaters to come back, and they were kind of like, we'd rather have skaters than thieves, and... Um, yeah, that kind of made me think of Ocean Howls, thinking about how skaters are like the shock troops of gentrification. You know, the skaters come in oh, yeah. and make things a little more hospitable. And yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm like, hey, we could like use this for our own needs. You know, you could go up in front of the city and be like, hey, use us as the broom. Let us be the yeah. shock troops of gentrification. I mean, that's uh, maybe short sighted and not um, very generous to those already in those spaces. But Sometimes I think that's a, a way to to frame things. No, yeah, and like plus in America, everyone's freaked out about like litigation and insurance and all that shit. And like, uh, yeah, like you said, that reminds me of like the uh, the foundation spot here in Richmond Hippo Land. Like when the skaters were there, and when we were when we left, there it was just a place for people to smoke crack. Like there was a dead body or whatever, and you know the city or whoever owned it was just like, uh, nope, you can't be here. And there hasn't been anything there for like 30 years and there probably won't be anything there for like a hundred years or whatever, but that's just how it is. I guess life Man. goes on. RIP hippo land. One, yeah, of, hippo land. Good, one of my good favorite times. DIYs ever. Yeah. Good times at hippo land. But I, I can see, I could see things changing in America. I wouldn't say that we won't have a plaza spot like that in a billion years, maybe a hundred years from now we could have a thriving street scene like they do in Europe, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to quite give up hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know we're not like you know, always thinking of that Bronx skate park, kind of right by the Yankees Stadium. I was right, there right. years yeah, ago, forever ago. But it's like it's integrated enough, and I mean, it's not like a good skate park by any means, but it's integrated enough, and like the architecture is just kind of like normal enough where like pedestrians do walk through it. So I feel like there's there's possibilities for. Even if it's a skate park, like I'd rather take something that people kind of don't necessarily look at as a skate park where there is an interaction, just like 
to make it more interesting. I'd rather have that than, you know, deep, deep pools and crazy fenced in places that don't actually interact with anything else. Yeah, I mean, they have all those spots in, I guess, Copenhagen and maybe uh, Vienna, too, that are like plazas that are designed to skate, but kind of like, you know what I mean? Blending with the architecture and shit like that Mm -hmm. shit is awesome. Yeah, it feels like a street spot. And, you know, for a purist like me, it gives me pause to be like, does this footage count? Whatever. But, I mean, I think the footage is fine. Uh, you don't even it, count it looks schoolyard good. for a stance. Uh, no, I, I'm not uh, anti-schoolyard footage. I mean, I, I certainly think that schoolyard footage is, like, not as good as, like, downtown city footage or whatever. But schoolyard footage is fine. Okay, I just want to... Yeah. One day I'll make a chart. Am I still there? A chart, like... Yeah, we got you, Mike. It'd be nice to have a skate park that looks like the streets, that feels like the streets. Going back to what you were saying about the stadium and how it's just like this vast concrete wasteland that gets used, you know, once a week for the football season and then is just kind of like patrolled by security guards and desolate the rest of the time. That feels like a real missed opportunity. You know, in this Makba Life article, he was talking about they basically have skating hours at Makba, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I feel like that's perfectly reasonable to have skating hours at street spots. You know, there's like oh, yeah. office buildings where there's fucking nobody there on mm-hmm. the weekend. It's a perfect time to go skate there. And it'd be it'd be nice to just have an understanding like, you know, you can skate from this time to this time, but not these times schools are the same way you know they're like disused during the weekend for the most part so it's like and it's a piece of public infrastructure so why not have some nice benches out front that are legal completely agreed yeah i mean i can think of like the hennepin county government center here where all weekend it's this open plaza great skate spot lots of ledges mostly legal but you know there there, there could be ways to make it into just a place a public space that's used all the time and yeah that makes perfect sense well in america sometimes shit doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got that right brother i think um what our makba guy makba life guy was biggest on bastion from way back in the day and those like first flip video lines were super rad that he was doing there and then what it was uh jesus fernandez danny lebron right Sarmiento, and I think he gave he he gave some props to Enrique Lorenzo, who I who I feel like in this day and age is chronically slept on. Oh, but, I agree. Uh, if if uh, I'm trying to think out of those dudes, like they've they've all had their moments there. Though I I think I associate Jesus Fernandez less with Makba than probably any of those other guys, maybe even Enrique. But like like who's who's our Makba skaters? Who comes to mind? Man, I watched I watched a bunch of footage getting ready for this episode, and yeah, Javier. He all but the thing about Javier's Mako footage, like he really does skate it when there's 500 people there. Like there's like old people on the ledges, except for like the seven feet where he does his trick or whatever. He he pretty much is uh the master of that main ledge, I think. Yeah, no argument from me. I think the things the first thing that came to my mind was an Adrian Del Campo nolly backside heel over the main ledge, which is Ooh. pretty recent, but that, like, I'm just a big fan of Adrian Del Campo. Right, right, right. yeah. So, like, that that trick Ripper. stood out to me. And then I remember, like, the early cliche videos had some people skating, yeah. like, the out ledge, and that always kind of 
I don't know. It's kind of rad. Maybe maybe like J.J. Rousseau did a long back tail on it, maybe. Or maybe a, I think it was Lucas Puig who did the back smash. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I watched really long uh, like Smith grind. Yeah. It was in yeah. in Bon Appetit. And there was definitely like girl. I'm thinking of Beeble skating there. Like Nolly Nose Grind Shove It, maybe? That long out ledge. Yeah, one, one of the more interesting things about that spot is that like Maybe it hasn't evolved, but the way that people have skated it has evolved. And I mean, I guess this, yeah, the spot has changed in ways like stairs added that like weird, like channel ledge is gone, but instead it's an out ledge. But yeah, it's, it's cool to have like this spot again, being skated, being covered like the entire time I've been paying attention to skating. And yet it's like changing because, you know, there's like, from that upstage to do some flat ground and then down that like five, six or seven stair. Yeah. Lots of different lines there. Yeah. It's like, there's like a handful of spots at the, at this one building or one plaza. It's pretty incredible, pretty lucky and lucky that it survived so long after, you know, the evolution. So I feel like usually when, when buildings make updates, they're like, okay, how can we stop these skateboarders? Mm-hmm. Great. Does, does does it ever seem like it might just be too hectic there? I feel like I, I would get in the Instagram Explore page, I'd come across like Mock the Life and other clips, and sometimes it just looked too crazy. But that's like from like the sedentary at-home position. I have a feeling it'd be super rad to kick it there and skate, though. Yeah, I might I mean, get like, a little frustrated with the, with the goings-on. It's probably like any spot or skate park. If you get there early enough, like it's probably chill. You know what I mean? Like if you get there at ten or whatever, it's probably chill. But um, yeah. One most skate parks or spots are like are kind of out, like you know, under a bridge or in some shitty area or whatever. The way he explained it to me, it's in like a the center of like a transportation area. Like people are coming and going to the airport. There's like seventy bars or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. That's a whole your average, you know what I mean? Or like the stupid places that they put skate parks. It's just a it's just a whole different vibe, which is what makes street skating interesting in the first place. Yeah, I mean, most of street skating happens in places where people aren't simply because people don't want skateboarders where they are. So it's it's yeah, it's got to be interesting to be mixed in with the general population. I actually looked on TripAdvisor at Makba, the museum. And there were a couple of comments about the skaters um, in the reviews. You know, one person was like, you know, it's like really sketchy getting through all the skaters. And somebody else was like, only thing good about the museum is the skaters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The tourists are split on skateboarding at Makba, but it's interesting to kind of hear that perspective. Is it a modern art museum? I I can't. I guess my computer is finally booted up, but. Can't think of what Makba stands for. Yeah, I think I think it stands for Museum Art Contemporaire does something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the A stands for. I wonder if any skaters go in. Ed Templeton Hello? probably. What else do we have to say about Makba life? Best single trick there in your mind, Mike. What's your What's your best single? Well, I think I saw Jason's on the sh- on the on the notes page, so I'm gonna let him talk. Oh yeah, yeah, the one in uh, Kalis and Mano. When Kalis does a like a backside 270, it was one slide, but he has like a piece of toilet paper or a CVS receipt or something stuck to his truck. <laughs> it was pretty, uh, pretty iconic. It's a pretty uh, obscure trick. 
that fucking no one besides him does, I think. So, yeah, that's my favorite single trick at Mokpo. What about you guys? For me, it's that Nolly back heel from Adrian Del Campo and maybe Tiago's switchback tail on the ledge that nobody else skates as a ledge that's yeah. super tall. Yeah, signature, iconic, neck high, switchback tail. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I saw the Kalis note. And, um, yeah, it's worth noting that that Kalis and Mono part is really great on a lot of levels. But that trick, the CVS receipt, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it, it's like the fact that, like, I think he he had a sequence in skateboarder doing that on one of, like, the fountain ledges at Love. And I don't yeah, think yeah. there was ever any footage. And then, yeah, he did it again there and like... Maybe a handful of people have done it on a ledge. I think it's more, more like a bump to skate park flat bar thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's how people do that trick. So yeah, that one sticks out. I mean, maybe it's a little <laughs> a little lame to 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 give Kalis the Mokba trick. I'm trying to think, there's uh, he was, he was mentioned in the interview. Um, oh geez, the Brian Albarenga. Like I was following that dude on Instagram, and I think he's on. Uh, I think he's getting stuff from Primitive and like Adidas. But um, there's definitely like a new crop of dudes skaters coming up, and um, yeah, they're skating the place in different ways. I, li- I like Alberanga Brian just because like I don't know he's like new new school, super good switch frontside flips. Can never tell if his Instagram footy is like actually better than stuff that shows up in videos. Uh, yeah, I like I like the new head showing up there. Yeah, that guy that guy Brian is a ripper. His part in that Hell House video is crazy. The other young gun is that kid Pedro Attenborough, who also has a part in the Hell House video. I think he gets stuff from nine one seven and shit. Yeah, those kids are both uh yeah, those are the young guns definitely out there. You think um Makba's ever gonna produce any Spanish Olympic team riders? Uh no doubt. I'm sure uh many uh Many an Olympic skateboarder has uh, graced the tiles of Makba. Tiles? It looks like yeah, fantastic granite. Tiles, it looks tiles, like right? beautiful, beautiful granite. Yeah, the ground looks amazing. Uh, even more amazing than the new uh, Olympic skate team uniforms that Nike SB just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mike, you must be up with your laugh. Uh, I'm sorry, it was funny. It's all good. Yeah, so after much speculation and hand-wringing, some Olympic skate uniforms have been revealed. Nike SB teamed up with Dutch designer Pete Para for the U.S., French, and Brazilian uniforms. Mike, what's your first impression? I think they're good, maybe. Um, after like finally seeing them, because I think Darren Ravel, of all, of all dudes on Twitter, put it out. God, Ravel's famous, I think, for that tweet where, like, like the Trump presidency was first starting to get weird. And he was like, this is maybe bad for the country, but this is going to be great content. One of the all-time best tweets. Ooh, but um, uh, That guy's like an NBA business reporter or some shit, right? Yeah, and he's with, um, he used to be ESPN, but he's now, like, kind of a more obscure but upstart sports website. So, yeah, he's, right, like, right. sports business and thus, yeah, yeah, like... Yeah. Thus tweeting out, you know, images of the Nike Olympic skateboarding uniforms is well within his wheelhouse. And, like, finally seeing them, I guess I, I realized I hadn't really, like, 
imagined much what it's going to look like. So, like, I follow the NBA and definitely am into shit like the Miami Heat, Miami Vice jerseys, yes, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Amazing. Those are fantastic. Yeah, the Prince the Timberwolves, uh, those, are, yep. those are stellar. Incredible. And, I mean, you know, perhaps I'm watching a Rockets-Lakers game right now. And, like, I mean, that that Lakers home yellow, purple accents, purple hits, like, that shit's iconic. So I'm definitely, like, thinking of jerseys, uniforms, etc. But, like, the skateboard stuff, what it was actually going to look like never crossed my mind. And, I mean, it's very Olympic in the sense of, like, it, it almost harkens back to, what was it, the, would have been the 92... No, 96 Olympics in Atlanta, or maybe even the 92 Barcelona Olympics. Like, you know, a lot of color hits, kind of swirly. Like, there are some throwback elements now that I've talked it out. I thought they were cool. And, of course, like, the French. I'm going to say it's strictly a French red women's jumpsuit. Like, that thing just kills it. Yeah, I I could imagine um, Alexis Sablone in the jumpsuit. Oh, man. Navy with white and red. Let's get it. Wait. So is is the jumpsuit like for all the teams or just or is that like a France exclusive? No, all all the gear is for all the countries. Oh, okay. the, the three countries. I think also Japan is in this, although it's not mentioned in the um, yeah, yeah the briefing. I, I had some conversations with some insiders who asked for anonymity. Dang. Um, but I, I think I think Japan's in the mix too, and yeah, everything the gear is available to everybody for competition olympic village um and also they have a special uniform for the um the podium but then polo does the uniform for the whole u.s olympic team for strictly the opening ceremony yeah i mean these are all right like they're kind of soft like the abstract colors and shit like i don't know out of all three i think the brazil ones are the best however like i don't know if do they have to wear the shorts too? Like no, you can mix and match. You can mix and match. All right, because okay. like, sure is that Darren Bell tweeted like the shirt with the shorts looks like pajamas or some shit. Looks like really soft. But um, yeah, the Brazil jerseys are dope. French jerseys with like the Lacoste Sportif rooster or whatever. Those are dope. But with the yeah. pants, like, do you have to tuck your socks? Has his <laughs> pants tucked into his socks, or maybe he just has them like cinched or whatever. Yeah, like I so. think. Uh, I think they're cargo pants, which maybe. These may be the first Olympic cargo pants, uh, but they have, yeah, a cinch at the bottom. I wonder if, like, the the skiers, granted, now I'm going into winter Olympic rounds, but, like, maybe the skiers who also have to shoot guns get cargo pants, like, for extra ammo? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know quite how. I feel like the biathletes have, like, skin suits, you know, for, like. Uh, how did you know, know that was biathlon? I had I'm to a fan. That. I'm okay. a fan. Respect. I think. I think shooting guns is cool. Don't own any guns, but uh, I have my rifle shooting merit badge. Anyway, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. To, yeah, would uh, what would y'all's Olympic kits be? I think I kind of want like the polo, kind of into the polo, and I think the Brazil, the Brazil colorways are probably the strongest. Yeah, but, like but- if if we had to design one, like what would we incorporate or whatever? Or- well, I guess just, you know, of our existing uh, Nike options by Para. Now I'm looking at the Fran- French ones, and, like, I'm, I'm actually liking that colorway even better. We got Ishad chain out. Chain out. 
Ooh, and some some of the track jackets are sick too. I, yeah, I don't want a filibuster. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, I think I'd probably go polo, blue pants. Um, yeah, just polo, blue pants. I'm really interested in the pants because Nike, I think maybe in 2017, made the best pants ever for summer. They're like, I think they're the FTM Flex chinos. They had little zippered vents on the legs and they're made of like mm. a really awesome lightweight breathable material and they only made them for one season and i have two pairs of the green ones if anybody out there has the blue ones in size 32 get at me i will buy them that's just me begging for people to find these pants for me yeah that that's the whole thing about pants like the best ones are just some random ones that whatever brand like nike or expedition made or dc like this one dc pair of like west kramer pants is incredible that i have i got two of them <laughs> and then then they just like stop making them but they're like the best yeah if you find good pants, pants buy great. buy as many as you can because they won't they won't be there forever i'm gonna chime in with like my uh pants unicorn i think it was sean malto four star jeans like stretch denim they were amazing, and then I ordered, like, the same size, you know, the same parameters from the shop, and they showed up, and they were just all, all wrong. Like, had all the same numbers on them, but they were, like, all completely off, way too tight, kind of typical four-star <laughs> operations, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah that hurts. The pants tangent, like, uh, right. I mean, this is a skate podcast. We talk like about pants. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't talk about pants more when we were talking about the the Barcelona Contemporary Art Museum. I mean, yeah, seriously. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I was an Olympian, I'd probably go with like the polo and the cargos. I guess if they came in black or camo. Would you rock them if they if they were camoed in in your country's colors? Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah, red, white, and blue camo. That'd be sick, dude. But I gotta wait for like the polo, like the polo, like uh, podium attire to like drop or be visible or whatever before i figure out figure out my whole shit right i'm probably gonna cop like the brazil jersey and the france jersey yeah i actually would buy i think i'm more leaning towards the 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 france jersey but like i know some folks at least in our skate twitter bubble were you know like decrying the whole thing but it i don't know like the the cat's out of the bag and i think i think we all probably lean towards more like technical skate gear than maybe uh typical joe skater but like that french jersey is just sick no and that's I've got dry fit stuff i like it you know yeah yeah no that's a good conversation piece too because then you're like if someone's like oh what is that and you're like oh it's a french olympic skateboarding jersey blah 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 blah, blah. then like you're you know then you're in totally you guys ever skate in technical apparel yeah i um i got a few nike like dry fit shirts a while ago which were pretty good, but I just weren't to the gym now or whatever because I grew out of them. But, um, yeah, all the time. Like, if you ever run a half marathon or even, like, a 10K or 5K or a marathon, they usually give you, like, a dry fit shirt. Like, But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty, like, traditional. I usually just wear a plain white T-shirt and bring, like, five or six plain white T-shirts in the summertime. Shout out Jigarecki for that uh, for that tactic. Like, rolling with a duffel bag full of how long are you going for is this one session or is this a one a session um in the, in the summertime here in virginia probably like one t-shirt per hour <laughs> damn if it's like the middle of the day so it's like uh, yeah like five or six i guess plus like a shirt for after damn it's it's just, heavy after a while 
Yeah, usually just one shirt for me. And if I'm really thinking about it, I might bring a second for the ride home. But yeah, I'll just, I'll just sit and stew for the, the duration of the session. You know, it's more like Minnesota winter is actually like when you got to think a little bit harder about the sweat because I don't know what it is about like the workout in like a colder climate where it's like 55, but you're really getting after it. Like I'll sweat more in that situation. And then you hop in your car. I guess I'm thinking of the indoor park when I'm saying it's 55 degrees, but then you get in your car, maybe you got your jacket on, you got your hoodie, but your shirt is still sweated out and you get in a cold car. Like that's really tripe. Yeah. When you're dealing with cold, you really have to uh, think a lot about your layering and how you handle. um, Yeah. When you've stopped working out and you're going back out into the cold. If it's really cold, like I don't even really do deep winter skating anymore, but I would do like a uh, like some compression tights under the jeans or whatever. If it's if I'm like really doing deep winter skating. Damn, when it gets to that point, I'm just like I'm out. <laughs> I'm just gonna stay home. But it doesn't get that cold here in uh, Oregon, so that's not usually the issue. The rain is the issue for me. I think we got after it in like 37 degree weather and then we made the rule that like if it's colder than you are old no dice yeah that's a that's a good rule there's Seems definitely fair. been some sessions back in the day where it was so cold the battery on my video camera started not working so i would have to i would put one battery under my arm my armpit <laughs> and the other on the camera and just have to like switch them out I, like to get like two lines and then like have to switch batteries so we're rough times <laughs> So this, uh, these uniforms had me thinking about other past uniforms and had me trying to track down regulations and all this shit. And I came across the Olympic snowboard uniforms dating back to 2010. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty uh, wild grouping. The uh, original or the 2010 uniforms are kind of bonkers <laughs> looking at them now. The the jacket is like a plaid jacket that's supposed to kind of look like a flannel. And the pants, which are like technical snowboard pants, are made to look like jeans that are like ripped up. They're like hella that's 1998 wild, as opposed to 2010. Yeah. So, it, yeah, plaid and denim. Kind of bonkers that that's the Olympic uniform. 2014 is kind of like a Martha's Vineyard uh, patchwork kind of thing with an american flag motif and then the 2018 uniform actually is pretty sick it's looks like a nasa spacesuit like uh like reflective silver or whatever it's white but it's got kind of like like nasa like font treatment what? stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah that's sick kind of dope looking so it'll be interesting you know in 20 years or in 10 years to look back on the, these nike uniforms and see how far we've come or not I think I think for the sake of just comparing to that 2010 snowboard outfit, and I mean, maybe it is a testament just to like the professionalization of skateboarding in terms of like, it is a sport and considered a sport like <laughs> it's it's like a pretty, I don't know if serious is the right phrasing. It's not as embarrassing as those 2010 snowboard outfits. Agreed. And that's Nike versus Burton. You know, I think Nike is a little uh, wiser than Burton, maybe. Maybe. We may not be stoked on all of the Olympic uniforms, but we're all definitely stoked on the jumpsuit. Um, 
Mike, what else are you stoked on this week? Ooh, I am stoked on um, this week, especially, and even today, I bike to work. I got a new job, so I'm working in downtown Minneapolis, which means I'm no longer working way out in the suburbs, and um, despite it being like 15 degrees when I left the house this morning, I bike to work. Damn, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. It was stupid Super. cold. I needed uh, I needed some wool socks because I was wearing like some old Bruins that I'd skated in, but they, they work well with like the, the cages I have on my bike. Uh, so like my feet didn't work very well when I got to my office, but above all and overall, like it's a, I don't know, just over a five mile ride and it's cold, but it's invigorating. Oh, shit, like on a bike. No, I mean... And Minneapolis right now is pretty ice-free, so I wasn't really getting sketchy in any way, shape, or form. And, um, like, I used to, before I had a job out in the suburbs, I used to ride my bike a ton for all sorts of purposes, including going to work. So this was my first opportunity to do it in a long, long time. And um, it was super good today. I definitely don't need to do it tomorrow, even though it's going to be about the same temperature and, like, dryness it's not gonna snow but um just having that option that's what i'm stoked on this wait so uh, like, wh- okay yo so if you work in downtown minneapolis is your job anywhere close to uh what's it called like first avenue and rear entry like the purple rain club or whatever yeah yeah it is down there i'm kind of on let me think i'm like like north to south downtown minneapolis is kind of a diamond yeah i'm on the east Edge, I'm on the east point of the diamond. Okay. First Avenue is on the west point. Oh, shit, that's cool. Which means it's like, I don't know, five-minute bike ride, if even. Oh, yeah. yeah. Downtown Minneapolis is pretty little. Pretty little. What's it called? Like, First Avenue and what? Like, First Avenue and a rear entry sounds stupid. Like, it's, But what's it called? Like, um, there's the It's First Avenue and the Seventh Entry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both are pretty dope venues. Last time I was at 7th Street, I saw Andre Nicotina for, like, one of the <laughs> Familia, Familia, like, Familia's anniversary. I think it was they, last summer. They flew him out? Damn, that's tight. Yeah, yeah, Nesser does it pretty damn well. Sick. Yeah, so I'm, I, I am also stoked on that. What are you stoked on, Jake? Well, uh, I discovered an Instagram account called DMV Skateboarding, which... Is relevant to my interest because I live in the DMV, aka DC, Maryland, Virginia. I skateboard. Sick as shit. It's mostly like Pulaski footage, but footage from videos that you probably haven't seen, like some pit crew video from like 1997 and a bunch of other like pretty obscure videos that you probably haven't. So that account is amazing if you fuck with Pulaski or you know, Pulaski footage in general. They also have a bunch of clips from Pack a Lunch with which, like, if you fuck with Pulaski footage or that whole culture, like, is a must view if you haven't seen already. Pack a Lunch. And also stoked on, I saw about MACBA this week, the King of MACBA Skate Contest or Game of Skate Contest. It's on the, uh, I guess, the MACBA Life YouTube channel, which it's a game of skate, but it's not just flat. It's like anything in the plaza. And it's sick because. You get to see how all like skate like real time, you know. As you would assume they all fucking rip. Like for whatever reason, they can all do that one like Lucas Puig like a uh, pretzel trick. Like if you're regular, you like a nine one eighty. You know what I mean? Like uh, Lucas Puig like nine one eighty nose grind. 
180 out trick. Yep. They can all do that like every time. So, Shit. Yeah, that's a pretty fun thing to watch if you like watch the game to skate like the barracks or whatever. And it's hosted by uh, Enrique Lorenzo, who is uh, who has a shit ton of charisma. So, yeah, that's that's some cool oh, shit. Yeah. Also, Venture Trucks. Watch this. I had this whole thing worked out. If you watch the Super Bowl, the uh, the team from San Francisco, the 49ers, they didn't quite uh, come out with the win. But there's another team that is, is for the winners. That's the Venture Truck team. So, also stoked on Venture Trucks out of San Francisco. <laughs> nice. Hey, Templeton, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on uh, a random internet video of a service dog in training who is just fucking up hilariously. Um, You know, it's like being trained to like help out elderly people or something. So there's some guy with a walker and it's got the tennis balls on the on the feet and the dog just like grabs the tennis ball and like jerks the walker out of the dude's hand and like he's like grabbing water bottles and puncturing them it's just it's just fucking hilarious and i love dogs and um yeah it's just like a pure innocent fun internet video that got me i really thought you were a week. cat guy bro don't you have a aren't you a cat yeah, guy no oh yeah i'm a i'm a cat guy in real life but i enjoy dogs as well all animals hey, i'm an equal opportunity that's what's up. Uh, animal lover that's it for our show this week be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Until then, you can keep up with us online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at Carbonite1994. Shout out, uh, Skate Twitter. On the Instagram, at Frozen Carbonite, and writing more shit for uh, Quartersnacks.com. Got some more shit uh, in the works, I guess, for the late winter slash early spring. Sick. Mike, where can the people find you? Twitter and Instagram, I am at M Munzenrider. M M Munzenrider. <laughs> Same thing both places. I realize, Jason, you're kind of like the quarter snacks foreign correspondent. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, like a satellite office or whatever. Or uh, everyone always assumes I live in New York because I write shit for quarter snacks, but I don't I live down here in VA. So yeah, satellite office, foreign correspondent, all that shit is cool. You, you take care of interviews in Boston. Farsi and elsewhere, like anywhere that's not New York. Yeah, wherever. I'll yeah, just FaceTime. Yeah, for the world, the world's a smaller place now, so you know that's, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Templeton, where are you on the internet these uh, days? You can follow me on Twitter at mostly skate and on Instagram at mostly skateboarding. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Later. Good night. <laughs>